بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له رب العالمين وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المبعوث رحمة للعالمين صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحابه الطيبين الطاهرين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear respected brothers and sisters Alhamdulillah I'm glad it was brought to my attention that um, the microphone was not working I was going on and on to myself I had started a few minutes uh, after seven, uh, 9.15 and then uh, I was not paying attention to the uh, um, the comments on the YouTube stream and then brother uh, explained to me and brought, brought it to my attention that sound was not going through Alhamdulillah, anyway so I'll, I'll repeat what I was uh, where I started from Surah At-Tawbah, Surah number 9 we were talking about ayats number 75, 76, 77 uh, sorry for that and uh, uh, may Allah reward you for your patience so I'll go back inshallah this, this is a very very important lesson we learned from these ayat and it is a very scary lesson indeed an opportunity for us to reflect and take heed uh, from the story that happened in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ عَاهَدَ اللَّهِ لَإِنْ آتَانَا مِنْ فَضْلِهِ لَنَصَدَّقَنَّ وَلَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ فَلَمَّا آتَاهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ بَخِلُوا بِهِ وَتَوَلَّوْا وَهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ فَعَقَبَهُمْ نِفَاقًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ إِلَى يَوْمِ يَلْقَوْنَهُ بِمَا أَخْلَفُ اللَّهِ مَا وَعَدُوهُ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْذِبُونَ So, this is a story that the scholars of Hadith and the scholars of Tafsir have reported Ibn Jarir, Tabri, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Mardawai, At-Tabrani, Bayhaqi, etc. They all narrate from Sayyidina Abu Umama Bahili radiallahu anhum that there was a man, his name was Tha'laba Ibn Hatib al-Ansari. This man has a very sad story. What happened to him? May Allah Ta'ala protect one and all, all of the listeners, myself, our families from following his path. May Allah Ta'ala protect us all. So this man, this unfortunate man, wretched man, Tha'laba ibn Hatib al-Ansari, he could have been a Sahabi of Rasulullah He could have been among the beloved. He could have been radiallahu ta'ala anhu ardah. Allah is um, very pleased with him and he would have been very pleased with Allah but unfortunately things did not turn out that way what happened is uh, he came to the Prophet and requested Rasulullah to pray and make dua that he becomes rich uh, make dua that he becomes rich now Nabi said you know first of all becoming rich in and of itself is not something bad but um, we should always make dua for barakah and risk. Um, make dua for barakah, which is uh, divine goodness from Allah Ta'ala. Thubutul khayril ilahi fi shayin. When the goodness comes directly from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and there's blessing from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. We should make dua for barakah. And then So We should make dua for barakah In risk Barakah is 
I believe uh, some comments are coming in that the sound is not going through, but I believe it should be going through now. Inshallah. We have uh, brothers checking it out, but uh, I believe the sound is working. So, we should make dua for barakah. As I was saying, we should make dua for barakah and risk rather than just increase in risk. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, وَقُلْ رَبِّي زِدْنِي عِلْمًا Oh, and say, Oh my Lord, increase me in knowledge. So we are commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make dua for increase in knowledge. Make dua for increase in knowledge. Not necessarily increase in, 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 in money. In Okay, alhamdulillah, I'm getting the comments that the voice is going through. Alhamdulillah. All right. It's becoming a very interactive session today. It wasn't supposed to be. Okay, astaghfirullah. This is technology, right? Back in the old days, everyone would be sitting right in front of me, and you could hear directly from me. But alhamdulillah, ala kulli hal, we thank Allah Taala in every condition He put us in, and Allah alone knows what's the what's the reason why we are going through this crisis, and we have this everything virtual, um, virtual tafsir, virtual. You know, we had a request for a virtual nikah today, so inshallah, we are going to perform the nikah. The bride will not be there. The groom will not be there. Uh, we will just have proxies, witnesses, and ijab and qubul. So all kinds of th- crazy things are happening. Going back to the story, Allah Akbar. I hope this is uh, the last time I have to start over. So where was I? Allah Akbar. The story was Talaba ibn Hatib. He came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, he he told the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that. Uh, please, um, please make dua for me that I have a lot of money. I become rich. So, as I was saying, richness in itself, money in itself is not inherently evil. In our Islamic uh, aqidah, money is not evil. It's how you use the money. Money can be used for khair. Suleiman alayhi salam, Dawood alayhi salam were kings. Um, then we have, you know, Uthman Ghani radiallahu anhu. His last name is Ghani. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just joking. He doesn't have a last name, first name. This is a modern construct. But Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala anhu was known as Uthman Ghani. Uh, he's, he was very rich. Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu was very rich. But they spent in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I don't want to, uh, anyone to get the wrong message that I'm saying richness is uh, wrong or being rich is bad. But uh, we should ask for barakah and risk and money should not be our primary purpose of existence that we are chasing after the material. Uh, dunya and in the rat race rather it is uh, a tool to be used to gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is an obligation as a man to earn the livelihood to take care of his family etc so Rasulullah knew this particular uh, person Talib ibn Hatib that it's not going to turn out good for him if he has a lot of money so the Prophet tried to divert his attention and he said that do you not like my way my lifestyle and look at how I live my life. Is that not good enough for you? And the Prophet Sallallahu swore by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in a particular style that he normally used. He said, biadihi." I swear by that being that who controls my life in his hands. That if I had wished, the mountains of Medina would have turned into solid gold, and they would be following behind me on the pathways and the streets as I walk Medina. The mountains of gold would be following me. But personally, my choice, my preference is that I do not like being that wealthy. 
the faqar of rasulullah sallallahu the poverty of rasulullah sallallahu was ikhtiyari was uh, poverty that he chose uh, it was not imposed upon him allah ta'ala had granted him the option of being very wealthy but he wanted to live like a poor man uh, and he wanted to die with the poor people with the masakin and he wants to be raised with the masakin so that the poor of this ummah do not feel alienated by the prophet sallallahu that he was rich he was uh, um, he's so far above us we cannot follow him but rather he loved to be amongst the poor and the broken hearted and, uh, and uh, those who are the soft hearted humble ones so when the prophet sallallahu said this the man you know, he did not get what he wanted so he went away then Hatib Thalaba uh, ibn Hatib after some time passed he returned again and he repeated his request and please make the same prayer for me make the same dua for me that I become rich and um, this time he made a pledge right uh, and he made a promise that if you will get the wealth and the money that he is praying for most definitely he promises whoever are truly deserving people he will grant them uh, their share from his wealth in other words he promised that he is going to give in charity give sadaqah, give zakat etc so the prophet ﷺ had already told him it's not good for you the, follow my lifestyle follow my way is better for you but when he saw that this man did not listen and this man w- was persisting in his request then the prophet ﷺ did go ahead and make the dua and this does not mean that the Prophet ﷺ was happy with him. He did it because this person was insisting and he knew that the man would end up facing the consequences. So as soon as the Prophet ﷺ made the dua, immediately the effect began to sh- uh, uh, show itself. And it showed up in an unprecedented increase in the number of goats that the man owned. So they started multiplying very rapidly. And when the goats that he had started increasing so much, the space that he had in Medina, in Munawwara, it became too small for him. He couldn't uh, um, keep all his goats, pen all his goats up in that area. So he then moved out into the outskirts of Medina. And he got farther away from the masjid. And then he used to come to Masjid Nabawi in Medina where he would perform the Salat Dhuhr and Asr with Rasulullah But then Maghrib, Isha and Fajr, the rest of the prayers, he used to perform these in the wilderness with his herd of goats which was his most prized possession and, and he would stay with them. So this is uh, the first effect of the increase of wealth that the number of Salat he would perform behind Rasulullah and in the congregation of the Muhajirun and Ansar started lessening and this is a very scary situation we are all in that we are all cut off from the masajid and forget about few salat none of the salat we are able to perform in the masajid and this could have dangerous outcomes on our iman unless we try our best to remain connected in whatever way possible all of the brothers and sisters who are listening you are connected with your heart and your soul to the masjid and uh, physically you may not be here so, but you are spiritually here. You are, you are, your mind is here. Your heart is here. So, Alhamdulillah, I am not warning you. I'm, I am. We should rather thank Allah Taala for being connected. However, the vast majority of our brothers and sisters, their only exposure to the Deen used to be the Juma prayers, and with the Juma not being performed in the Masajid, they are completely lost. They're cut off. 
and as this is extending over months now, uh, it is a serious, serious problem. Just like they're saying there's a physical sickness, there's a global pandemic, mental illness we spoke about today. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I had the opportunity to host uh, various scholars from the UK and uh, South Africa and uh, our local Dr. Human from Khalil Center. And we talked about a mental health pandemic that's taking place with all the people in alone and, and the stresses of the of, of the sickness on the mind so there's a mental health pandemic so we can add to that there's a spiritual health pandemic too all right people are are cut off from the masajid so this is how it, his downward spiral began uh, this sahabi of rasulullah who initially was a sahabi uh, we will not call him a sahabi anymore because part of the definition of a sahabi is that you have to die with iman if someone started off with iman but uh, then they leave iman then that individual is not a sahabi is not radiyallahu anhu arda is not pleased with allah nor is allah pleased with him so this person uh, he started off his downward spiral by uh, missing out on the number of salawat he could perform behind rasulullah then the flock of goats oh my god they just started increasing more and more um, so before you knew, knew it what happened is the area that he had on the outskirts it became insufficient so he had to move farther away like some people live near the masjid but then they want to go into the gated community they want to move it up right they want to have a more prestigious home and they end up moving farther away from the masjid that's not that's not uh, that's not baraka that is something else may allah protect us so what happened is he moved farther away from medina and he started coming only for jumas the five daily prayers, he used to perform it in his own place where he was stationed. And he would only come for the Jummah prayer once a week. And then the, the goats multiplied even more. The herds became so great that he had to leave that spot too. And he went very far away from Medina where he could um, have enough space for his goats. And he became deprived of the Jummah prayers and all the time five time prayers. So everything, he's completely out of the network right there's no coverage so then what happened is uh after some time passed rasulullah asked the people where is uh, where is uh hatib salaba ibn hatib so they told him oh uh, ya rasulullah his wealth and his goats and his sheep have increased to such proportions that he had to go far away from medina and that's why we don't see him in the city anymore on hearing this rasulullah said three times alas 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 for Thalaba how great is his loss then um, ayah number 60 from the same surah surah Tawbah was revealed by chance at that time in which Rasulullah was commanded by Allah Ta'ala min amwalihim sadaqatan that take ya Rasulullah from their wealth the farad zakat the sadaqah wajibah and this commandment was given to Rasulullah that he needs to collect the, the zakat. So nowadays, we do not have an Islamic government in place. So there is no amil or, uh, or tax zakat collector from the government that goes around collecting the zakat. It is totally up to us, right? It is totally up to us that um, we have to make sure that we have our own taqwa and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and discharge our zakat the government collector is not going to come 
But in the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu since it was a genuine Islamic state and Rasulullah Sallallahu was the head of the state, he appointed zakat collectors who would go and collect the zakat money. And he had the entire law of sadaqat and zakat committed to writing. It was all written down. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam appointed two people as the collectors of sadaqah and he sent them to collect the zakat money due on livestock. Now the zakat on livestock is detailed. Even when we had the zakat seminar, I mentioned that if you have livestock, which are very few people nowadays have livestock, or if you have uh, farms, then uh, please email us at questions at masjidds.org and we'll help you calculate your zakat. The gold and jewelry and cash and dollars, we talked about the zakat, and that itself took about like four hours for that seminar. Uh, but uh, with the Q&A and everything. So we didn't have a time to go into the zakat the livestock. But zakat the livestock is actually quite uh, quite complicated. For the sheep, there's a different nisab for, horse, uh, for horses, for cattle, for camels, etc. So they were ordered, these zakat collectors, to go to Thalaba ibn Hatib and to go to another person from the Banu Sulaym tribe who was there to go visit these two people. So they were appointed these two addresses, you go check up on these two individuals and collect the zakat money. So when the two collectors, they came to Thalaba and they presented the order of Rasulullah he said, what is this? Is this some type of jizya tax which is taken from non-Muslims? This doesn't make sense. I'm a Muslim. And he said, just go from here. Leave. Na'udhu billah. And he said, go now. Maybe uh, you guys, when you're on your way back, you can come by again. But right now, I, I don't have anything to give you. So this was a red flag right here, how he responded to the messengers of Rasulullah And when uh, these two zakat collectors went to the Sulaymi from the Banu Sulaym tribe, uh, they had a completely different experience. Uh, when he heard about the order of Rasulullah and then he called these two messengers, and he said, you are the messengers of my master, of my noble pro- of the Prophet of Allah and he said come and he said he selected from all of his livestock of camels and goats the exact number of camels and goats that would be uh, having uh, that he would be, would be wajib upon him to give for his zakat but he selected the best ones the best quality ones and the, the zakat collectors they told him that we have ordered from Rasulullah that we're not supposed to pick out the best amongst the animals in fact, we are supposed to pick up the average ones. So we cannot take these. Right? Ousatuhum, the average ones. But the Banu Sulaim man, he insisted and he said, This is my pleasure. I want to present the best animals for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and requested them, please accept them as they were. So these two messengers, they accepted that and then they completed their rounds of sadaqah collection. Then they came back to Salaba. So this time, Talab ibn Hatib, he said, you know what? Show me that writing. What is the law of sadaqah you guys are talking about? Then he looked at it, he read through it, and he said the same thing as he said before. What is this? Is this some type of tax you're collecting from Muslims? This should be only from non-Muslims. And he said, you know what? Just just go for now. Okay? I need to think about it further, and I will decide later what I'm going to do, if I'm going to give you anything. Na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah. This is how he responded to the messengers of Rasulullah so these two zakat collectors they eventually reached Medina and they went to see the Prophet 
And when he heard the report, he said the same things that he, the same words that he had said earlier. He said, Ya Wayhatalaba, Ya Wayhatalaba, Ya Wayhatalaba, Alas, Alas, Fasalaba, Alas. He said it three times. And then when he heard uh, the Sulaymi, how he behaved from the Banu Sulaym tribe, then he was very pleased and he made a lot of dua for him. Thereafter, these ayats were revealed, the ayats that we are discussing tonight, uh, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ عَاهَدَ اللَّهِ Amongst these hypocrites, there are those who take the pledge, ahad, and pledge to Allah ta'ala, لَإِنْ آتَانَا مِنْ فَضْلِ O oh Allah, if you're going to grant us from your grace, This is with emphasis in Lam Taqeed and Nun Taqeed. Emphasis, most surely we will give sadaqah. Most certainly we will be among the righteous ones. Right? This ayah was revealed about him. Uh, but it, of course, as all ayats of Quran, they're not limited to the story. The lesson is for everyone till the day of judgment. People make promises, Oh Allah, if you give me health, I will go for hajj. Oh Allah, if you give me wealth, I will give sadaqah. And make all these promises. Then Allah gives it to them. And then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the doors of abundant risk up for this man, for, for this person, or for any person who follows this track, they were stingy with it. And they turned their backs, turned their faces away. They said, go away to the Messenger of Allah, to the Messenger of the Messenger of Allah, to the Messenger of Rasulullah sallam. Allah Ta'ala says فَأَعْقَبَهُمْ نِفَاقًا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ As a result fa, fa, The fa means as a result of their behavior Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Planted nifaq and hypocrisy in their hearts Right إِلَى يَوْمِ And this will remain in their hearts Till they meet Allah Ta'ala This is very important This is key This is sealing the deal That Allah made the ayah very clear and explicit that the nifaq and hypocrisy is planted in his heart as a result of his action and there is no chance of him making tawbah anymore and repenting and coming back on the right track until he returns back to Allah as a result of the fact that they broke their promise with Allah and because they lied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alam ya'lamu do they not know that Allah Ta'ala knows what they conceal and what they whisper and Allah is well aware of all the unseen so this, these ayat were revealed about him and Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala spoke about him being a hypocrite and being a munafiq and the fact that when Allah Ta'ala granted him the wealth he remained stingy. He did not fulfill his promise. So, um, what is a serious note for us, a warning for us, is that sometimes when we commit evil deeds, then these evil deeds, they bring such a nahusa, such evil effect, such curses, which can assume alarming proportions. A person may end up being deprived of the tawfiq of making tawbah. And this is the greatest deprivation, mahrumiyah. May Allah Ta'ala protect us from this misfortune. So, the completion of the story, what happened uh, to this unfortunate man, is that 
when Rasulullah said after the report came in from the zakat collectors, So some of Sa'laba's relatives were present in the gathering. And one of them, he immediately traveled to go report to Sa'laba what happened. And he went to Sa'laba and he, and he got upset at him and he reprimanded him for his behavior and he informed him, do you know what? Can you believe it? One ayah of the Quran has been revealed regarding your condition. Now this made Sa'laba very nervous. He got scared because I mean literally the Quran there's an ayah in the Quran till the day of judgment about him, about his, about his misdeed, about his sin. So he reached Medina and he requested Rasulullah Ya Rasulullah, I make tawbah. This is my sadaqah. Please accept it. Rasulullah replied that Allah had ordered me that I cannot accept your sadaqah. So when he heard this response, Sa'adaba, he became crazy with disappointment. He started throwing dust on his head. Rasulullah said, Look, Sa'adaba, this is something you have chosen to do on your own. I had ordered you and you did not obey. First I told you that this is not something good for you to make dua for increase in wealth. You did not listen. And then I sent the zakat collector and you refused to give it to them. Now the Allah Ta'ala has said, I cannot accept your sadaqah. So Sa'adaba, he returned disappointed. This happened near the end of Rasulullah's life. And shortly afterwards, some days later, Rasulullah departed from this dunya. Sayyidina Abu Bakr became the Khalifa. Ta'alaba then came to Sayyidina Abu Bakr anhu, and he said, O Khalifa to Rasulullah, O the successor of the Prophet of Allah, please accept my sadaqah. Sayyidina Abu Bakr said that when Rasulullah has not accepted it, how can I accept it? And two years later, Abu Bakr passed away. Then Ta'alaba came to Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab. Anhu. Two and a half years of Khilafat Abu Bakr. Then Sayyidina Umar came on the scene, became the Khalifa. He made the same request. And he got the same answer from him. As Sayyidina Abu Bakr gave the answer. Sayyidina Umar said, Rasulullah did not accept it. Abu Bakr did not accept it. How can I accept it? Ten and a half years went by. Sayyidina Uthman became the Khalifa. Salaba again brought his sadaqah and zakat to Sayyidina Uthman. Sayyidina Uthman said, If Rasulullah did not accept it, Abu Bakr did not accept it, Umar did not accept it, how can I accept it? And it was during the Khilafah Sina Uthman anhu that Salaba finally died. Na'udhu Billah, we seek the protection of Allah from the evil effects of sins, of evil deeds. Naturally, the listeners, the brothers and sisters, one question might be coming in your mind, which is a very logical question at this point. That uh, why in the world, it seems very unfair, it seems that uh, why in the world was his Tawbah not accepted? We all make sins and we can... Uh, feel for the sinner. We make sins and then we make tawbah. Why was his sin not accepted? So the reason in this case is very evident. Because the ayah makes it very clear. Allah Ta'ala says, as a result of his sin, Allah Ta'ala allowed the hypocrisy and nifaq to be planted in his heart until he returns back to Allah. Which is really sealing the deal that he will die on nifaq and hypocrisy. And Rasulullah was informed through revelation that this man, when he comes back, uh, he is Talaba is not making his uh, tawbah with absolute sincerity. He is not mukhlis and sincere in his tawbah. He had hypocrisy concealed in his heart. He was just feeling embarrassed and ashamed 
and he was trying to deceive the Muslims by continuing to act like a Muslim and give his sadaqah just to put the matters right and to get his social standing in the Muslim community. Therefore, his tawbah was not acceptable. And when the Prophet ﷺ himself declared him to be a hypocrite munafiq, munafiq and that he will die on nifaq, then the Khulafa who succeeded him, they had no authority, no legitimate authority, jurisdiction to accept his sadaqah. Because for a Muslim, uh, for to accept zakat, one of the conditions is that a person has to be a Muslim. A munafiq, a hypocrite, a kafir, there is no zakat upon kuffar. They are, it's not binding upon them to give zakat, nor can they accept zakat. It's a, zakat is given by Muslims for Muslims. So, can we behave like this with respect to other people in the future, in the present right now? Absolutely not. Because after Rasulullah the wahi has terminated, Allah Ta'ala is not sending down revelation anymore, and no one can say for sure, na'udhu billah, that somebody has hypocrisy hidden in their heart, somebody is not mukhlid, someone is not sincere. We are not supposed to think like that. We are supposed to, as Umar said, nahkumu ala zawahir. We pass our judgments based on the apparent conditions, apparent conditions, wa sara'irhum ilallah. And uh, the condition of their hearts, we leave it to Allah Ta'ala. So the rule to follow in the future is whoever makes tawbah, whoever confesses to Islam and Iman, has to be treated as a Muslim, has to be consi- considered sincere, uh, no matter what lies in his heart. Whatever happens in his heart, it, you know, it is between him and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. There, you know, as I perform nikahs, right, as an imam, many times we see that um, there may be a person um, uh, who, for a long time, has a, a romantic relationship with a Muslim girl, and um, uh, the um, the 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 girl is not necessarily practicing Muslima. If she was, she would not be having a premarital relationship with a non-Muslim man to begin with. And then what happens is. Um, they want to get married and obviously one condition for getting married uh, for a Muslim girl is that the man has to be a Muslim the groom has to be a Muslim man so we are commanded you know we do to um, not attack anyone's intentions and and, and always have good expectations and uh, let Allah Ta'ala judge the conditions of the heart treat them as Muslims if they act like Muslims so there are so many occasions where we did this, you know, the two-in-one, where you do the shahada followed by the nikah right away. So first you say, okay, repeat after me the kalam shahada ashadu wa la ilaha illallah, ashadu Muhammad rasulullah. So the brother becomes a Muslim, and uh, and then and, and then the same gathering, then we do the nikah, ijab and qubul. So uh, two celebrations at once. Now if you ask the person, if I ask him, for example, what do you know about Islam, what do you believe about Islam, how did you learn about Islam, why do you want to convert, the many times it's completely blank have no idea about Islam and you know you're making a big decision you're leaving your faith or you're coming from no faith and accepting Islam as your faith and becoming a Muslim and and you have no knowledge about it at all you have no idea about it what you're getting into it doesn't add up right so all apparent conditions lead us to believe that it is just lip service that he's taking the shahada to please the father of the girl the mother of the girl whoever else he has to impress because his objective is to get married to the girl, right? So these are conditions we see. But are we supposed to say, this nikah is invalid, I cannot perform the nikah, I refuse. Or um, this is life of zina, this is not marriage. You can't say that. Because the person took the shahada, that's it. Now you have to pray and hope and give da'wah with akhlaq so the person becomes a true, genuine Muslim. 
But once the person takes the shahada, it's haram. It's actually prohibited to say you're not sincere. This happened in the time of Rasulullah in a battle where uh, one of the kafirs was very, very mushriks was uh, attacking many Muslims and was uh, 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 causing great damage to the Muslim army. And finally, when Muslim uh, penned him down and was about to kill him, and he said the kalima, he said, I, uh, I'm a believer, assalamu alaikum, I'm a Muslim. So, uh, this uh, in the heat of the battle, the Sahabi he thought that this man is just saying this to save his life, and he was killing so many Muslims. He killed so many near and dear ones. So many soldiers of the Muslim army had died by his hand. So he went ahead and killed him. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala became very angry with about this and revealed eyes in the Quran. لا تقولوا لمن ألقى إليكم السلام لست مؤمنا. The one who says that uh, I am a Muslim, then how dare you say لست مؤمنا? You are not a Muslim. Um, so you are supposed to accept Islam Even in the heat of the battle When uh, a person is Now at the point of the sword He ends up saying Oh I'm a Muslim You have to uh, withdraw the sword And accept Islam So this is our condition that, uh, nowadays If somebody makes tawbah We accept their tawbah The one who makes sincere tawbah Is like the one who never committed the sin But in the time of Rasulullah Because of the revelation of the specific ayah that person's hypocrisy was revealed in the Quran. But the lesson for us is that when we get farther away from the masjid, how uh, uh, how dangerous that is for our iman, and when we have so much increase in dunya without barakah from Allah subhanahu wa taala, how that can be detrimental to our iman. We seek protection of Allah taala from both extremes. Rasulullah made uh, sought protection in Allah subhanahu wa taala uh, from ghinan uh, mutghiya and faqran munsiya that such ghina, such richness mutghiya, which will make a person intoxicated with arrogance and pride and forget about Allah and also he, he sought refuge from such poverty which will make a person despond in Allah and give a hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala both extremes we seek protection from rather we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala barakah and a risk and such risk which is sufficient for our needs and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from making, committing such sins the evil effect of which will take away the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala from us. We are eternally, uh, perpetually in need of guidance from Allah, hidayah from Allah, tawfiq from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. If He takes the tawfiq away from us, we will be lost. Wa akhru da'wana and alhamdulillahi